Thanks for calling the Q Hotline. This is Kevin Brittingham. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. Q, Q products, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Industry news, things you want to say, especially if you got something funny to say. You could have called anywhere in the world. You called us. We appreciate that. Hey, man, just wanted you guys to know I've been having my fix for a couple of months now. Things freaking badass. So smooth, so light, accurate as hell. Awesome. Keep it up. I was just calling to say that I love you guys and that I need a fix in six What the fuck? Good morning. It's the drive-in. So, Advanced Armament, AAC, my old company. How'd that start? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, became interested in firearms as a teenager. Grew up in the city, not around guns. Um, we didn't own firearms as a family. But I became fascinated, and uh, especially when I shot my first gun with a silencer. So I started working uh, as a teenager in Bullseye Indoor Range and Gun Shop in Lawrenceville, Georgia, um, when we lived in the suburbs. And uh, it was a small mom and pop shop. Uh, Randy Powell's the owner, still a great friend of mine. He's done a great job. He owns several big gun stores and ranges in the Atlanta area now. Um, but I started there. There was a guy doing class three repair and building silencers and I had a couple machine guns there and I became interested in that stuff and eventually sort of took that business over. Um, started buying up machine guns and stuff as I was making money, running machine guns on the range. Um, became a distributor for silencers. At the time, AWC and Gemtech were the hotness. This would have been, I don't know, I guess early, mid-90s. Um, AWC, really great products. They were kind of uh, heavy at the time. They were still, the engineer was Doug Olson. It was owned by Lynn McWilliams, who I think has since died. Uh, Doug Olson um, started doing silencers in the 70s. Um, did them for the Navy SEALs back, back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, for a company called Qualitech. Then he went to AWC. He did the crimp comb baffle that's still in silencers today, manufactured by Knight's Armament for the U.S. military and foreign militaries. Um, he's a brilliant engineer. He's done a lot for silencers. Um, AWC was very expensive. Gemtech came in a little less expensive, and they were lighter weight, um, fancy fast attach mounting systems. So I was a distributor for both of those companies, and I was selling about half of Gemtech silencers at the time, and one of their designers lived in Atlanta. I met him. Gemtech uh, always had a bunch of owners, and they were a pain in the ass. And it's Greg Latka who's now trying to do a silencer company. I think Phil Dater is a consultant for Maxim Defense, so we'll see. I mean, they copied the Honey Badger, so we'll see what silencers they copy. Um, and they had Jim Ryan, Mark Weiss, uh, uh, this Australian guy, thinks he's real brilliant, named Neil Parker was involved. Um, you know, it's just like a, a boys club. 
Um, I was doing a lot of sales for them, interested in pushing silencer design. All they did was squabble over nonsense. Um, and as you see, I mean, Gem Tech's not progressed in 25 years. Uh, and they're completely irrelevant. And it's, it's sort of the way it went. But I wanted to do things. They didn't want to do them. I wanted to buy part of the company. They didn't want to sell it. So they kind of screwed me over on some things. Greg Latkin, Phil Dater kind of lied, cheated, and stole from me. And then uh, Phil Dater, I gave him an ultimatum, make things right, or I would start a company. And he uh, laughed at me on the phone one day and uh, I don't know, maybe 97, 98, and told me to go ahead. And so I did, and then we can commence to kicking their ass. Um, at the time, there was the Air Force, I think I spoke about this last week, was wanting to replace their snap-on cans from Knight's Armament for the Beretta M9s. Had slide locks with something that didn't require as much maintenance, so a non-wipe silencer. So I designed the mounting system for that to go on an inch and a quarter can, which was their Vortex 9 at the time. And uh, they wanted the mount. I wanted them to make stuff right with me. I wouldn't give it to them. We parted ways. And that's why the M9QD and subsequently the M9SD, because Uncle Mike's sued me over QD or threatened to, so I changed the name, um, was our very first can. It was very complicated. Uh, but it was a great can. Snap-on cam for the Brett M9. You guys can Google if you've never seen them and take a look at them. It was a cool design. Marginal cycling, though. You generally had to use light springs unless the gun was very worn. The silencer super quiet. Had sights on the silencer. It was real neat. Uh, our second can was a Scarab 22 can. And Gem Tech and Phil Dater had always used the um, M-Baffle. So just a cone with an integral space here and a cut. Uh, loud first round pop. It wasn't super quiet, so we went with a K-baffle design, which evolved eventually into the Element silencer, which is probably still the quietest 22 silencer in existence um, of that size. Amazing. Uh, so we started kicking their butt. The Scarab was a stainless steel tube with aluminum baffles. They were sealed, you couldn't take them apart. That wasn't really a thing at the time. Um, later we did the Pilot, which was an all aluminum silencer, but we did a stainless steel thread insert. And we just started leading the industry. You know, everybody, Gem Tech, everybody else started following us. Uh, we did a Ruger Mark II, which there's a, Phil Dater's attorney sent me a cease and desist letter. I made the serial number, uh, Phil, Phil, I think it was Philip H. Dater, his name with, um, but the uh, L in his name was a one and ran it in a magazine ad because they did a Ruger Mark II and we did one and ours was just like the muzzle can, probably five to 10 dB quieter than theirs. Um, it really, those silencers set new standards. From there we did uh, an, the Evolution 9, a boosted can. So kind of the first pistol can, um, except for Knight's Armament with an integral booster. Uh, then we evolved that into several generations of the Evolution 9, and that silencer was good. And then we did the Tyrant 9, which is an inch and three-eighths with a titanium tube, and that was for SOCOM. Um, 
the goal was to get to 120 dB and we failed miserably, but the Tyrant 9 is still the quietest 9mm can I've metered until the evolution. So uh, at Advanced Armament, it was really commercially based at first, but quickly we started selling to the military. In the initial contracts, they would buy through the gun companies or buy through uh, other miscellaneous companies um, to kind of hide where they were going. And we started doing rifle silencers and uh, we started, I think, with 308, and then we did 556 after, and then we did this 18 tooth mount, which I kind of copied from the end of the H and K, like G3 barrel, and that didn't work that well. So we did the 51 tooth mount, which most of you are probably familiar with, and at the time, it was spectacular. It was far superior to anything else that was out there. Um, and then we did a taper mount at the end, but I'm not sure they ever released it, and it had like 90 teeth on the mount. Um, and that's sort of that taper right before I um, was thrown out of advanced armament after I sold to Remington is what a lot of stuff is based on now that we do. Um, so that's sort of when we figured the taper out, when we first did the honey badger and stuff. But to go back to AC, that, um, the company became really military-based products. We won more SOCOM, like when Surefire won the SOCOM contract, we won 75% of it. They've done a really good job of marketing it. Um, but we got the machine gun can, the precision rifle can. We got uh, 30 caliber cans. We got everything except the M4 can, and we should have won that. And the only reason we didn't was our flash hider was a no-go on the Mark 18 Mod 1, or Mod, whatever the second generation was that had the longer rail. Um, ours wouldn't fit, so it was a no-go, but it outperformed the Surefire silencer on the M4 in every test that they did. Um, and it was basically a 92 taper mount, compact, lightweight, all Lincoln L silencer that was badass. Then when I was thrown out of AAC, I don't think they even produced the can, um, but it had low blowback. We did a lot of neat things then. Anyway, we, uh, so back on early with AAC, before silencers, I was doing miscellaneous products. I did like the first rail that attached to the standard handguards. Um, and we sold those for a long time and those kept getting knocked off. I did a rate reducer for the M16 with Max Atchison um, that I sold for many years. Licensed from him and sold. He and I developed that together. Uh, and eventually it just became primarily silencers and then we did firearms and ammo 300 blackout as you guys know um i almost sold advanced armament i sold advanced armament in october of 09 so i guess that's exactly 10 years ago so 11 months before that i almost sold it for half the price to another company um but the, it just got to be too much money to turn down honestly i had a young family and i'm the youngest by a lot my parents were getting older um, and, you know, it was a way to really help my family. Um, and, you know, and just selfishly, I'd worked a long time. You know, I'd had advanced armament, I think, 15 years by the time I sold it, maybe a little longer. Um, and it was just too much money to ignore, you know. Growing up without money, uh, I looked to sell it. And I was committed to Remington. Um, you know, I would have stayed at Remington forever had they left us alone. I wanted to make Remington the best firearms company. And I recruited a lot of people. 
And you know, same thing I did at SIG, uh, you know, which led SIG to win military contracts and stuff with people that, accru uh, that I recruited. Um, you know, I think I've got a good eye for the talent and people that are motivated and want to work hard and are into innovation. And um, But, you know, Remington, as everyone knows, is a, turned into a total sh shit show. Uh, and it just didn't work out. Um, private equity, that was a tough thing. And once they started making a few bad decisions, it just went downhill quickly. Uh, and just like a lot of big companies, you know, it's hard to stay on top of your game when you keep the same people for 30 years making decisions. It just, they kind of become uh, just more of a hindrance, it seems, than than a help in most ways. Um, but Advanced Armament, I would have been happy to keep forever as well, but I never anticipated really selling the company. I never didn't think about that, didn't think the money would get to where it, uh, it got as far as value. Um, and I've learned a lot of lessons. I mean, I think a big thing I take away from it looking back on it is the process is what I love and I'm a product person I love the product I love innovation and I like this process you know I'm a real competitor and um, I'm you know not bothered by conflict I want to win um, I understand that it takes a team it takes you know the whole team of individuals to make something great like any asshole can come up with a good idea um, but that's just an idea you got to have the whole package and, you know, just like with the fixed rifle, where we've had six people that were part of that thing, you know, that's why it turned out so great. Uh, trying to take ego, internally take ego out of the equation and everyone just be down with what's, whatever is best is what we're going to do. And when we figure out what's best, then how, what's the best way to make it? You know, what's the best way to QC it? What's, you know, you just start attacking these problems this way. Um, but advanced armament was neat. It was an interesting time. You know, there, the silencer market now is probably a hundred times bigger than it was then. There were just a few silencer companies, so you're all kind of fighting for scraps. But I never had aspirations of really being wealthy or anything. So to me, I was really motivated by fear with AAC because once I always thought advanced armament would be like my side gig and I would have to be an attorney or I was going to be some sort of professional or have some other kind of career. Um, but once I got a taste of it and had a job that I loved every day, it never made sense to me to have to get a job. I, I so I was motivated by fear in the sense of I didn't want to have a job. You know, I wanted to spend 15 or 16 hours a day working, doing advanced armament stuff. I didn't want to have to have a regular job like my parents had. And I think that was the motivation to, to help to make it successful. And I wasn't going to be defeated. I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to have to get a normal job. I didn't want to have to do something I didn't like. I'd had a taste of having like the greatest job in the world. Um, and, and so I try not to, in looking at it, I don't know where Q's going to end up. I didn't know where advanced armament was going to go. I just, um, knew that we were going to try to be the best at whatever we did. Uh, you know, and I made a lot of mistakes. Like, I thought I could design more than I could at the time of advanced armament. 
and I didn't fully value engineering, like legitimate engineering, the way I do now. Um, so those are some differences, and I've learned a lot of lessons on the business side. I don't particularly like the business side of this, but it's necessary to be successful. So I learned a lot looking back at that, and you know, and I learned a lot as well as far as developing products and what's important and who your market is and what is required. Um, you know, with, with that company, the military stuff was very exciting. Once the war really kicked off, uh, we just got more and more involved in that. So for a decade, that was kind of all we were doing, and that's very exciting, and I'm very proud to be a part of lots of the things that we did for the military. But, you know, it's a super time suck. Um, and now my kids are older, and, uh, you know, I'm a single dad with custody of them. And so in starting this company, you know, I have to have the flexibility uh, to, to be able to be a parent and not have them raised by nannies. So that's one of the many reasons that this company isn't military focused. It's just focused on the consumer. You know, another is I'm, I'm very into hunting now. And so that gives me another view of the products. I think Ethan and I understand the military side of things very well. And we do some stuff for the military and that's growing and we're not even chasing it. Um, but it's got to kind of be on our terms right now because his kids are younger too. And, and it, the military stuff requires a lot of travel and sacrifice um, with your time and where you are uh, geographically. And I don't want to travel every week. And I don't want to do those things right now. And, you know, I'm a huge supporter of the military and I love that. And that business is interesting. But also don't like big army business. It just takes too long. There's too many people involved. It's like working in a big corporation. So I just like special operations um, because that moves more like a small business and that suits us better and our personalities better. And I think like our level of innovation and product and understanding, that's kind of where we should be. And so we deal with that stuff. Um, and, you know, that's going to grow and is growing organically right now. But my focus right now is the commercial market. But I think you'll see with most things that we develop, there's a huge overlap for people in the know. Um, you, you know, it's like I've said a lot before, whether it's scopes, you know, scope technology, optics, um, electro-optics, ammunition, uh, firearms, you, you know, hunting deer or hunt, hunting mountain goats or hunting people, it's all kind of the same thing. There, there's not huge differences in any of that. So I, I, I think it gives us a lot of advantages in that approach. And my willingness to risk um, is very helpful. You know, like I don't care what, for the most part, what other companies are doing. You know, it's interesting when I do my questions on Instagram, I get like 10 questions every time about products or companies I've never even heard of. And I try to look at the firearm blog or soldier systems or some of the other things. Um, I try to look at them. And Sniper's Hide, sometimes I look at that, but not consistently. Um, so I don't know a lot of these companies. And I, I honestly don't care because I think I know the direction we should go in. And we have so many guys at Q already that are super knowledgeable, have so much experience in the industry. I think we know, and you know, that in the guns and shooting, and I think we know the direction we want to go, and I don't need the influence of the others. I think it would be a different situation if we weren't so backordered, but, you know, we've been super fortunate with the acceptance of our silencers and the honey badger and the sugar weasel and the fix, 
that we're so backordered, it doesn't really matter to me what the competition, so to speak, is doing. Um, because we can't make enough, you know? It's like I get a lot of great ideas and input from you guys now about, oh, this would be a cool product, this would. Yeah, I agree a lot of the times. It's, but I've got a list of 20 things I wanna do that we can't get to in the next three years. So, you know, um, whatever. Uh, let's see, what else with AAC? AAC, some other things that were probably, in retrospect, were good business decisions I made. So. I, I would save up money and buy a building, and then once we outgrew that, like we would move once I saved up enough money to buy a bigger building. and That's kind of the way we did that. Um, but the testing, um, the engineering, the understanding of most things there isn't anywhere near what we have at Q. Uh, I, I kind of look at it like if you were a professional ball player, like we're going to the Super Bowl with Q, and AAC was like, uh, you know, our high school district champion. That, that's kind of the difference. Um, so I guess that's that. We did a lot of silencer testing at AAC. Lots of silencer testing. Um, probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours at the range with the sound meter. Um, I've done so much testing with silencers now, and so has Ethan, that I don't even use the meter that much anymore. Like, I, I know what stuff sounds like. Um, we have a good baseline of products and historical products that are consistent, and I know where those are. And then I don't read numbers because, you know, everybody, they're such liars, all the companies about the their decibel ratings, that it's irrelevant. It's, it's unimportant. I mean, I can assure you we are not building loud stuff. I will not put my name or this company's name on anything that is not super quiet for the given size and purpose um, and the highest quality in every regard whether we're talking about the things we learned today see accuracy is more important reliability is more important point of impact is just more important durability is more important you go down the list you know and sounds generally not in the top few but any Q product one thing I have learned is I don't ever want to get your products back here because you're dissatisfied I don't want you guys to be dissatisfied. I appreciate that you spend your hard-earned money on our products. I don't want to disappoint you. Um, and then it's too easy. For, I mean, you see all the trolls and the haters and anonymous little fucking douchebags online already. It, you know, that's funny, and I laugh at that. But it's freaking heartbreaking to me if any legitimate, reasonable person gets a product and they're dissatisfied with it. Um, I don't ever want to see that, and, and I don't want you guys to experience that. I know from my perspective, when I spend my money on a product that is underwhelming, um, it's very disappointing, and I feel an obligation um, to our customers for you to be pleasantly surprised every time you handle one of our products, every time you use one, every time you buy one. And we do screw up. And like, no matter how good we get, how much better the engineering is, manufacturing is, quality control is, you name it. We screw up. And that's always going to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm unapologetic for that. Because sometimes that is us pushing hard. Um, but where I am going to make it right is we're going to go above and beyond if you're reasonable um, to fix anything you're unhappy with. Um, but, you know, if you're an unreasonable, anonymous troll and douchebag, then 
I'm not that worried about it. And I actually learned that from advanced armament too. You know, there's probably 2% of your customers you're just never gonna make happy. And they try to ride you for free product. And that, I don't know if that's like a genetic thing or a cultural thing, or there's just some people that are that way. That's not my way. Um, but I've seen it now for 25 years. So, you know, I throw that 2% out just like the 2% of overpraising. Um, and we're realistic about the products. Um, and you know, at AAC, I learned we can do anything. We can do ammo, we can do guns, we can do silencers, we can do optics if we want. If somebody, a vendor, you know how we've started making several products, if we have a vendor for whatever the part is, if it's a trigger, you don't want, you can't supply us, you can't your get your quality under control, uh, we're gonna give you free engineering and we're gonna do everything we can to make our partners successful. If you reject it, then we're gonna become your competition. Um, I am gonna be successful with this company no matter what it takes. Um, and we're gonna be more than fair with everyone, but my ultimate obligation to the employees here, to the consumers, and that's who I'm gonna take care of. Um, thanks for listening. Send some DMs and more questions if you have pointed questions for AAC or anything that we've done in the past. I'm happy to answer it um, as long as I'm able to. Good morning. Um, this is Kevin. It's the drive-in. So today, modular rifle silencers. The good, the bad. Um... It is very, very trendy, and um, they should be marketed to first-time buyers. It's still a mistake, um, but at least that's where the industry is going and now admitting that that's where it should be. So, you know, it's the allure of one thing that does all, which is never good, always a compromise. It's always filled with regret. You can have different mounts that screw in and out of the rear. You can have different front end caps. You can have your silencer break in half. You know, I can get into this for rim fire or something very low pressure if done correctly in the sense of engineering and design so that you get good alignment. When it comes to rifle caliber stuff, to me, it is not to be trifled with. It's going to be okay for most people, but most people still today, thank God, silencers, it's still in its infancy. So most people, it's still their first silencer when they buy a silencer. The average buyer. So that's great. Um, the downside is we have a bunch of morons in the industry that are leading people astray and not to the right thing. Um, threading in and out your rear end cap for high pressure rounds well to make it strong enough it has to be heavy to be strong at these threaded junctions you know for our rifle silencers they're fully welded everything from the front end cap to the rear mount the baffle core why do we do that well we need it to be strong we also want it to be lightweight and we want alignment because as I've learned over the years, sound is very important, but generally not the most important thing. And when I'm shooting competition, target, and for me, generally hunting now, 
Um, shot placement is critical. Accuracy is critical. Functionality is critical. The gun needs to be compact and lightweight, quiet enough to not damage my hearing or ring my ears when I shoot. I want to not notice the shot when I hunt. Um, I want the gun to be accurate, as accurate, more accurate when I have the silencer on. I personally don't ever shoot without the silencer. So I just like an optic. Like who buys, who has five guns and swaps your optic from gun to gun to gun? It would be considered stupid. And that's the way I view silencers. And that's the way we're going. Just a lot more people need to get on board with it. And we need, as an industry, on the industry side of things, we need to stop misleading customers just for the sake of trying to get some sales. All right? When we weld our silencers up, they're strong, they're lightweight, they're quiet, they're all the things. But then we wire EDM the bore, electro-discharge machining. So it is the way to cut the bore straight through the silencer after welding. If anybody tells you they put 10 welds in your silencer and it doesn't, distort or warp to some degree they are lying so you have to wire cut the bore which a lot of companies do and that's what we do but that's why the silencer is all one piece we don't have the threaded mounts threaded end caps because then when you do that there's thread tolerancing and now your front end cap and your rear mount are not concentric and in the center of the silencer and your barrel but if they're one piece and you wire cut them they sure are um, that's where I don't get into it. Having a front end cap, you don't need a front end cap. If you want a 308 silencer, use it on your 556. That's okay. Um, but you don't need to put a 223 front end cap on your AR-15 because all that's doing, yeah, that's making it quieter at the muzzle, but that's trapping more gas and pushing it all right out the, the barrel or the gas system into the action into your ear let it go out the front so worry about what it sounds like to you under most circumstances and this is practical um you know you don't need a silencer that breaks in half you don't need a silencer that goes on your nine millimeter pistol or your 338 lapua magnum rifle it's stupid um you know it's it's like i was trying to explain to someone yesterday when they asked me about this and it's like you, you don't want you don't buy a Glock 26 or 43 or whatever the popular one is right now as uh, as your carry gun and then when you want a rifle get a longer barrel and a vertical foregrip and an extended mag and a butt stock and mount an optic on it as a rifle that's stupid you have a, a, a pistol, a, a carry gun, and then you have a rifle. Um, and just like I said with the optics, get a silencer, put it on your gun, leave it. You're not going to take them on and off. Um, the concept of having one vehicle that does everything is, is stupid. You know, I don't have a minivan for all my kids, and then, you know, we go to the farm, you know, jack it up, put some suspension on it, put some super swampers on the thing and LED light like it's ridiculous don't do that you know if you need something taking the kids to school in the grocery store have that if you need a vehicle for your farm get that got an 88 Land Cruiser wasn't that much money it's awesome does everything I need I don't have to worry about keeping the doors on it um, 
and that's what we use for the farm and I'll take the kids to school in it so do yourself a favor don't buy the hype buy the best can for what you want to do ATF makes the process a pain in the ass it takes a long time but guess what it's yours forever so get the best thing to last you forever like when you know I don't know you know date the crazy chicks but when you want to get married married one you want to be with forever same thing with the silencer don't buy the stripper don't do it God trust me don't do it get the silencer that's best for your gun the one that is fully welded the one that's got an EDM bore don't get one that's painted unless it doesn't matter I guess you could rattle can it that doesn't really matter um, you know, we're not arriving where we are with silencers on accident. You know, I mean, I would say 45, how old am I? So 25, over 25 years experience with silencers. Ethan has 15, you know, doing this every day at a very high level. Just if you're going to take a chance, take a chance on what we are building what we are using, what we are offering to the market. Um, if you buy one of these modular silencers, realize it's a toy. Um, you know, also realize you're not going to have, you're not going to ever buy one silencer and stop. And if they're making, if anybody is making a silencer as lightweight as our Trash Panda and it's made out of Inconel or Stellite or stainless. They be, and you know it breaks in half, so you can have a short can or a long can. And it has all these threaded junctions at the muzzle and at the rear for your mounts. And they tell you you can shoot 338 Lapua Magnum through it. You better wear a helmet when you shoot it. <laughs>